0: Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I have a brand new course out that I think you're going to love. If your week feels overbooked every Monday morning, now may be just the right time to transform your calendar so you can feel your best and achieve your ambitious goals. My new 10 episode course helps you maximize your week with practical, actionable, and easy to implement time management strategies. Maximize your week for health and productivity is available now exclusively on Himalaya Learning. Himalaya Learning is an audio learning platform that provides an extensive library of courses straight to your ears from the world's greatest minds like Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, and more. To listen to this course and others like it, go to himalaya.com maximize and enter promo code MAX at checkout to get your first 14 days free. Hope to see you there. Technology runs our lives today, but we're only at the tip of the iceberg. What is the real future of tech? What tools are being created that can transform our lives even more? My guest today is at the forefront of many technological revolutions taking place, and she is here to shed some light on where we are right now. This is The 5AM Miracle, episode number 377, Transformative Technology and Fun Gadgets with Nicole Bradford. Good morning. I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today is fascinated by human potential and technology. She is the CEO and founder of The Willow Group and the executive director and co-founder of the Transformative Technology Lab. And now here is my interview with Nicole Bradford.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: So I don't know much about the topic today, which is also why I think you're a great guest to have on the podcast. So I want to dig into what transformative technology actually is, how you discovered it, how it works. So let's just kind of start with the basics here around, you know, what is today's topic?
1: Yeah, so this is a really great podcast for transformative tech and learning about transformative tech because one of the ways to think about it is what... If technology sat um, at the center of human potential, what would it look like? And so transformative tech is technology applied to mental and emotional well-being, social and emotional wellness, and human potential and performance. Or said more simply, um, health, work, and human excellence, or you know, said in another way, healing, skilling, and enhancing, and so it's this broad category of exponential technologies, whether it's AI, sensors, three uh, D fabrications, just like all of the exponential technologies, but applied to the uh, to the human inner landscape. So you know, the productivity personal growth, um, the development of the types of skills um, that support someone in their goals. And so in those three verticals, I am interested in and work with founders who are working on technology that supports people with stress, anxiety, light garden variety depression, because everybody goes through it, um, and a happiness and sleep. Because if you can't sleep, you can't be well in any form. Um, I'm also interested in that future of work category in technology that helps people with self-awareness, emotional self-regulation, and then also all of the skills that go into working well with other human beings. Because one of the things that's going to happen as automation removes more and more tasks the tasks that are left are the ones that actually include you and I working together. But if you think back to when you went to school, there's classes on or, you know, you learn how to build models. You learn a ton of facts, but there's not actually a lot of classes on one, being human and two, working well with other people. And so that's that, you know, there and there is a role for technology in training people and skilling people in that. And I can give you many examples of products that are in the market today. And then the last category is technologies that can expand and enhance human cognition and emotional capacity. So think brain computer interfaces, think neural lace, think, um, you know, um, things that um, allow um, us to communicate and, in different and deeper ways that augment human capacity. And so that is the that is the range of applications, but they're kind of all the same in that. It's all, you know, amazing technologies applied to the human brain, mind and body to the purpose of enhancing um, you know, and 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 helping us become even more human and fulfill all of our potential. So that's what it is. And uh, we have a, I started a nonprofit organization five years ago, six years ago, um, that exists to catalyze technology in this space, and to help founders and investors and, um, you know, and researchers find one another so they can build the tech that we actually really need.
0: So, the first thing I'm thinking of when you're describing this would be, you know, examples like sci fi movies where people have like chips installed in their skin and their employers are, are scanning them. Is that, I mean, that kind of the extreme side of this you're talking about? Because I mean, the integration of tech in the body is what I'm like, thinking of, but I think it's more than that, right?
1: Well, um, let me give you some. I, I'm going to answer your questions, but let me give you some very um, current examples. Um, of things that you might be interested in, you might use. So, like right now, I'm wearing the Aura ring, um, and it's my sleep tracker. And they just have some of the best sleep algorithms in the business. And um, you know the the way that having the sleep tracker allows you to optimize for getting more and better sleep. That's something you know you might you know you might just imagine. Um, there's stress trackers. Um, There are, uh, you know, there are really current use it right now products that help you. Um, You know, here is the, the, and I'm going to definitely talk about privacy and ethics um, and data sovereignty, um, especially, you know, given what's going on right now. Um, Those are really important, but here is the underlying issue. Um, If you, you know, if you imagine an exponential curve, all of our crises are on exponential curves. So climate change, income inequality, um, you know, any most of the big big baddies you might think about, they're all on these exponential curves. Meaning, you know, they're off to the races. Our technology is also on these exponential curves. So, you know, I don't know if you remember the first time you probably saw a cell phone, but they used to be, you know, the the those cell phones that came out. A long time ago, I won't say how long ago, (laughs) because that would date me. You know, they were fifteen thousand dollars, and they were the size of you know big water bottles um, and heavy. Um, And now they're very small, Um, and you can get some cell phones for just a few hundred dollars. Um, And you know that that's an exponential curve. So all of our tech is on exponential curves. But how we learn how to become deeply human, how we do personal growth, how we learn how to connect with one another, to understand how we're feeling, to, um, you know, to learn to ne- to negotiate in life, uh, to learn how to handle conflict. All of these things is linear and analog at best. And you have to be lucky. You have to be, you have to have, you know, you ha- your parents had to be good at it. Um, and, you know, we didn't really teach it in our society. Um, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, as an example, um, it wasn't it's within a few decades that domestic violence was considered a bad, like like there were laws against it. You know, go a generation before, two generations before. it just was a thing, right? Um, and so we've actually really never been good at this, and we've never really taught people how to do it. So, I say that because there's a high level of urgency Um, in order to like, we have to get learning how to be human also on those exponential curves. What that raises is that these technologies can also be deeply invasive in the sense that today, your cognitive decline can be assessed by the way you use your keyboard. Not what you say. It is unnecessary to read your emails or anything like that. But just you know, from a, a, a you know a, a brain to motor skills level, the tension between one key versus the next over time and how you press it, um, you know, can give insight. Um, you know, and so people who are working on that are people who are trying to help identify um, Alzheimer's and dementia early. Because it turns out, you know, if you can, if you, if by time you see the symptoms, uh, it is way too late to do anything about it, um, or by time you see the obvious symptoms. However, you know, um, so, you know, my thesis or my point of view um, is that we really need these technologies and we need the technologies to, you know, get to the, the next level for us and we have got to get data privacy, ethics, and sovereignty right. Um, you know, it's like people should own people, companies should not own people. And right now, the way companies think about data is they think that they own the people, um, but the people should own the people. Um, and so I actually spend a lot of time with um, ethicists and um, technologists, and, and I'm right on the front lines of thinking through. Um, how we do this. You know, one of the, the problems with it is this, you know, anything that you can imagine, like imagine the worst thing that might happen. Um, what will actually, you know, there is an example that will happen that is actually worse than anything that you can imagine someone, someone in the world, someone somewhere in the world will do something that is worse than anything that you can imagine. And so, you know, what happens is that when you're standing at the head of innovation, um, you know, it's really hard to identify all of the unintended consequences. Um, But what you must do, and I think this goes back to the types of things your audience are interested in, is that you must develop the kind of character that allows you to see an unintended consequence and do something about it, which means how you relate to your own fear. And yes, there's definitely roles for regulation and there's, you know, there's roles for technology that doesn't require people to be good uh, as in blockchain and some other things that people are thinking about uh, where trust is embedded in the tech versus requiring, you know, people to be good. Um, You know, so there's, there's technical solutions. There's, social solutions, there's government solutions, and and the entire map is going to have to be a mix of those. But then, you know, for me, what I work on um, is that with all of the founders that we work with, um, you know, we spend 20% of our time on leadership, um, you know, and that is, you know, really defined as human growth and development. Um, because it's my belief that, you know, if someone is better at that than one, they have a better op. They have a better likelihood of successfully leading a team, uh, which no matter what you're building is difficult. Um, and then two, um, you know, they can, you know, stand at the, at an unintended consequence and make the right decision. And I, I've seen this happen uh, with different products where leadership teams uh, saw that they were, you know, building something that, you know, had some issues uh, where they, chose not to take data certain data just because they could um and it didn't affect their profitability um you know but they saw that they were they were standing at an unintended consequence and because of the you know the quality of the work that in personal growth and development they had done on themselves um you know they had the constitution uh and the and the courage to say no even though it would have been easy to do
0: What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Yeah, it really feels like there is a strong bar that has to be met for those who are in leadership because they have so much power with all of that tech and all of that data. I mean, this idea, that you brought up AI earlier, like I, I just, I see a future maybe where we almost to a certain degree let the technology like detect those, that unethical behavior and like alert us to it, or uh, something along the lines of like involving the ethics and the tech in a way that doesn't allow people to make those poor decisions. Well, I know that, that kind of gives the tech more power than maybe it should have, but I just I, I see a future here that you're talking about where we have, I guess, less opportunity for human error, if that's even possible.
1: Well, I mean, I think what I think will happen is. Ultimately, um, each of us needs our own um, each of us needs our own AI and each of us eventually will have our own AI and that AI will um, you know be your um, that AI will based on your preferences um, be looking out for you um, so I'll give you an example one of the things that's really required is um, We all need, each of us needs the ability on our data as it's being generated, because you're constantly generating a data halo, um, your digital selfie from the Bluetooth on your phone to, you know, I mean, really every move you make is generating some sort of data trail. Um, And right now in the world that we live in, the only people who are accessing your data trail in the most established ways are the ad sellers. But imagine for a moment, if you knew as much about yourself as Facebook does, because many people think that there's just Facebook, but Facebook buys Axiom data and has a cookie network. And even if you aren't on Facebook, if anyone you know is on Facebook, then Facebook sort of knows who you are. Um, You know, I mean, it's like, you know, you can dive deep in other places and see that. But you know, just for a moment as a thought experiment, imagine if you knew as much about yourself as Facebook does. And, you know, like there's a reason why food journals work. Like food journals work because most of the time people don't actually know how many calories they're putting in their mouth, you know? Um, And so just noticing it um, is really powerful. Now, right now, you, you know, you had a whole generation of like quantified self and You know, where all of the wearables and ultimately, you know, a lot of the products that we're using today came out of uh, where they were, you know, collecting a tremendous amount of data out of curiosity about themselves. But they weren't um, the, you know, after you understand how to measure and then you establish a means to track, then you have to make sense of it. And it turns out that human beings are holistic. Um, And so, you know, it's really difficult to separate the brain from the body, uh, the hardware from the software, as it were, you know, you have neurons in your heart, and you have neurons in your gut. Um, And so, you know, where is, you know, like with stress, where does it start? Where does it stop? Um, It might start physiologically. um, And then you add a story onto it, that then whips your body into another level of stress. Um, You know, so it's sort of like, you know, where does it stop? Where does it start? And so, You know, imagine if you knew that much about yourself in an interface that was easy for you um, so that as you decided who you wanted to be and what you wanted to create um, in the life that you want, you had that to serve you. Um, And so so that's one thing. The second thing to imagine is, you know, we're sort of deeply in need, uh, as I said, of the ability to tag data and to say, this is public forever. I'm okay with it. And something like that might be not your identity, but the fact that you're moving through a city. Um, So, and you're driving, you know, it's like, we actually need the lights to work. We need the traffic lights to work. Right. Um, And so there's, you know, so there's things that should be public and you might say, I'm okay with this being public. There's things that should always be private. And you should say, this data, no matter what, should be non-touchable by anyone. And then the third part is you need to be able to say, this data here is for sale. I'm okay with selling this. Um, and so, you know, the only way to, you know, if you think about all, even today, all of the, the places that you go where you're generating data you don't really have the ability to, you know, go into Starbucks and negotiate a contract on if this is public paid or private that you bought, you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that you're eating, that you, you, you ordered the pumpkin spice, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like, it's unmanageable. Um, And so ultimately one of the things that you'll see is at first you'll see um, people allocating, you know, uh, being able to tag, you know, obvious things, but then eventually, um, you'll have an AI that is negotiating contracts on your behalf, um, in real time constantly. Um, and so then, you know, you might walk through London and when you get back to your hotel, you have a, you know, you have a, uh, um, you know, a digital token for X amount because, um, you know, of the terms that you set for, uh, your, you know, your data. Um, and what you were paid for it. So eventually that's 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 a good outcome for us versus you know, the data Hoovers just sucking it up and people not understanding. I mean, I think with what's just happened, people are starting to become a lot more aware of what's going on. But the thing that people don't know that's coming is um, the like the the and what I'm hoping, like what I really want, my 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 wish, my deepest wish, is for people to become, you know, really to really understand the value of their uh, of their data, and specifically the more valuable data, which is the bio data and the neuro data. Um, and you know, and and then I'm I'm hoping uh, and looking for founders who are working on um, essentially data unions that allow, you know, individuals to have more leverage with larger entities. So I, th- I think it's going to get, I do believe it's going to get solved. Um, and, and I'm, a, a, you know, working with people who are thinking about it. Uh, we instill that ethical layer into our community. Um, it will be a mix of, you know, tech solutions, cultural social solutions, and government solutions. Um, and a good example of a cultural solution is, Because people in the uh, in Europe are more, you know, have been historically a little bit more aware of the value of their data, you're starting to see more companies use their uh, their data policies as a selling point, which is that's kind of a new thing that just happened in the last few years. Um, And so I think it, you know, if if the market is making people differentiate themselves in that way. Um, then it's because um, you know people are starting to demand it.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention GDPR earlier because I feel like that was one thing that hit everyone's at least <laughs> everyone got emails all at once a couple of years ago. Um, and I know that I was a big part of my own website development was more privacy policies, and that's obviously a huge aspect of tech is just the regulation aspect, but also you know what that means. You just brought up that Europeans, for, to a certain degree have that value and I think that that for me that brought up a lot of questions I know like from my parents generation for example they to a large degree have wanted to opt out of tech and I've wondered about that too because a lot of I have friends who have gotten rid of their iPhones and used you know dumb phones or they have you opted out of the Apple watch and they use as an old school like regular watch like years ago and I wonder like is there a future for people to opt out of tech or is this just the case where that won't be an option in the future
1: Hmm. Well, so here's a different way to think about technology. So right now I have glasses. Glasses are technology. Because if you would go back 2000 years, it's a miracle, right? Mm. Like glasses are a miracle. So the things that we consider to be technology are, it's a, it's a moving process. So opting out of technology Um, you know, one needs to be a little bit, you know, more precise. It might be, can you opt out of social networks? Um, yes, probably. Yes. Um, you know, can you opt out of automation? Uh, yes. You know, like, you know, the, there's lots of people who have opt out of opted out of automotive. Um, you know, there's the, you know, the Amish, they, you know, still ride horses, Um, So, you know, can you opt out of technology? Yes, there are people who have done it and gone off grid. Um, But when someone says that they're opting out of tech, um, it's actually a really big story um, for, you know, how broad it is. You know, I think it's more about can I opt out of surveillance? You know, can I opt out of surveillance tech? Can I maintain my agency? Can I maintain my autonomy? Um, you know, one of the um, things that I love is this, there's this um, incredible uh, scientist named um, uh, Raphael Yuste, who was one of the people who helped establish the Brain Initiative. And so the Brain Initiative is $8 billion in total in the U.S. going into understanding the brain at the level that we now understand the genome. Um, or not understand, but have mapped the genome. So they're mapping the brain the way we've mapped the genome. Um, And this is really going to be essential for humans, for us to really understand how we work. Um, And so he's like that level of dude. And um, now what he's working on, and he's out of Columbia, is um, neuro rights. You know, what are are your neuro data rights? And, um, you know, and there's things like a right to agency. Um, a right to identity, a right to equal access, a right to privacy, a right to be free from algorithmic bias and and a lot of times when people think about algorithmic bias, they you know almost usually only think about race, but there's things like you know think about all of the voice activation, and you know post covid you know a lot of things are going to become voice activated so that we don 't have to touch as many things in public and you know, the voice of a young person is different than the voice of an old person. Um, It's, you know, and so there's, there's so many places where the data set is not inclusive across age, gender, first language, because people who were born not speaking English, often their English sounds different or people were born not speaking Spanish. Their Spanish sounds different. So You know, freedom from algorithmic bias is actually incredibly important. And that bias is about, you know, does the data set allow that the AI was trained on allow for, you know, the the um, the variety uh, that exists in humans?
0: Yeah, it feels to me as though the way that we're going that more tech is just kind of the nature of the beast. I think that you know, f- for me, like I run essentially a tech company. I mean, everything I do involves tech, and I feel like every week all I'm doing is ordering and buying more tech to be in my house. And so that <laughs> sense of of privacy, it really feels like it doesn't exist. My, my wife and I were having a talk the other night and wondering if the Google Home device was like recording us. You know, it's like one of those like, do we even have privacy in our own homes? Is that another kind of layer of you know what what tech are we like voluntarily inviting into our lives and then the other side of the coin that has been more evident recently is that for, for most people they don't realize how much data is being collected of them you know of these devices that we trust but maybe we shouldn't and I just kind of I wonder like are we heading into a world where we have that agency you're, you're talking about we have that ability to make conscious choices because i feel we have to to learn so much about how the tech functions and what's doing in the background uh, and then you know obviously we m- might see like a long agreement to you know to say yes to when we buy a new device but no one reads those and so then i wonder do we actually have the ability to make these choices or are we are we really just trusting someone else
1: i think that has everything to do with the choices that we make um and and you know, as I mentioned, it's going to be a, a constellation of of things. Uh, there will be a there will be tech solutions for that. Like you know, already an example would be um, you know, there's you can go on to Amazon and you can order <clears throat> a clicker that will turn off all of the electrical devices in your home, including your Wi-Fi. You know, so you know, so you can have a clicker, so you don't have to go around and touch them all. You can have a single clicker that will turn off your Google smart TV, that will turn off your wi um, you know, and we'll do it all at once. And, you know, and there's, there's parents who do that, uh, for dinner so that they don't have to fight with the kids for, um, you know, for the phones, you just turn it off. <laughs> smart. Know?
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh,
1: so you could just like, you could buy the clicker like right now on Amazon, um, you know, and turn it off. Um, You know, so, and that's a very simple, simple solution. Um, And so there's going to be tech solutions. Um, You know, uh, there's going to be, and and there's, but there also needs to be cultural and social solutions. And those cultural and social solutions are things that, you know, where one people are aware, where they say, you know, where they start to say, you know, I, where they start making choices based on, um, you know, on privacy policies um attention economy products are difficult and and i don't necessarily know how that gets solved like you know it's like the like the way that facebook is set up is so inherent in its dna i don't know if they can change Mm. um but you never know you know like one of the things many people don't realize is nokia's very first product was toilet paper Hmm. so you know like can people can organizations change um, can people change? I, I think it's possible. I think it's hard, but I think it's possible. Uh, but there need to be, you know, social solutions where people are savvy. You know, one of the things that um, many don't realize either is like I saw this. Um, I'm in I'm in San Francisco, and and I'm a lecturer at Stanford, and so I, you know, go to a lot of events over there pre-COVID, and um, I saw this really interesting. Analysis from one of our colleagues over there um, on—they looked at social media um, by age, and in the twenty sixteen election, eighty percent of the it was like eighty percent of the uh, fake news was um, forwarded by people over seventy. Wow! And but the young people, the teenagers, um, they check headlines before they believe something they check five sources on average um and so one could say well it's you know it's terrible to be in a society where you actually have to check five places to know if something's true and i think there's some validity to that but the other part is that they're really savvy you know like they're Mm -hmm. actually really media savvy they can tell tone they can tell if something's a bot very fast they're really fast to to move out of places, um, you know, and, you know, and so what they lack are tools to monetize their data. They What they lack are, you know, tools to, you know, they lack data unions to create leverage against companies. Uh, what they lack is the ability to mark things as public, private, and paid. Um, so, you know, so they've got the savvy, the generation behind us. They've got the savvy, they have the mindset, um they just don't have the tools um and so you know, it's like, there's, there's basically not a lot of young people on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Like, I was talking to this one person, they were like, if to them, it's like the white pages is to us. Like, if if I came over to your house, and I was like, Hey, can I borrow the white pages? You would look at me like, what? (laughs) You know, and that's how they feel about Facebook. And it is also how they feel about WhatsApp. And it's kind of how they feel about Instagram. You know, so it's like, I think the, you know, the, uh, you know, the previous platform problems, you know, I, they're really big problems and the attention economy is a huge problem. Um, but there's, there's little things springing up and then there's a whole, you know, there's a, a whole social shift. Um, and it's really hard for, you know, I mean, companies like the, the megacorps, they ride social shifts but you can't stop a social shift whose time has come. Um, So we just basically have to like not destroy ourselves in the next 15 years. (laughs) And we have to, you know, accelerate, um, you know, how people learn, um, you know, how to be truly deeply human um, and to, you know, find purpose and meaning, um, you know, in their lives. And we need that for our health. We need it for our work and we need it for, you know, our excellence, human excellence. Um, And so, you know, that's really what my work is about. And we work with thousands of founders around the world, actually, who are, you know, really thinking through how might we support humanity in this, you know, growth and development.
0: yeah i mean in terms of that of working with these different companies i mean you mentioned the aura ring earlier i'm curious if there's other devices that you think are you know really pivotal especially for our listeners you know for this podcast they they really care about productivity, about high achievements and having the right tech tools for those purposes. Are there ones that you tend to lean on that you think are, are giving you the, the data that you need to optimize your, your existence or things that, you know, really exist today in the marketplace that you think are essential for us to to have to, to get to that point where we learn more about ourselves?
1: Yeah. I mean there's uh there's there's learning more about oneself and then there's also doing something about it. Um, So one of the things that we've really seen and what I've seen over the last five years is when I first started the nonprofit, most of the products were based on tracking. You know, like even finding out because if you can't see it, you can't change it Um, because you don't know what you're changing against. Um, and, And then the next generation of products are coming out where they actually are starting to all have different types of interventions. So, um, there's a product that I love that's called Ember and, uh, EMBR. Um, and it is their first iteration is, um, they help, uh, primetime women, which is their term for menopause, um, cool and heat themselves. Um, it's a, it sits on your wrist on the inside. It doesn't actually heat or cool up on its own. It sends a, um, you know, basically a uh, a wave uh, against the wrist that that in a val- in validated studies they're out of MIT validated studies can lower temperature uh, the you know a felt sense of temperature by sixteen degrees and raise it by four something like that I might my numbers might be wrong and so that's something that today. You know, like 50, easily 50% of the people in the U.S. are women. I don't remember the exact numbers. And then the number of women who are something like 2 million women start prime time every year. Um, And, you know, temperature is an issue. But there is an entire body of research that many people are really not tracking that is on uh, temperature and a sense of well-being and a reduction in stress that has nothing to do with being female, Um, you know, where... Temperature in offices, um, temperature in, you know, different, different places um, soothes people and, uh, you know, alleviates the uh, symptoms of stress. Um, and so, you know, and the thermal, like the research on thermal is fascinating. And so that's a great example of a product that, you know, the women in your audiences who are in their, who are prime time, um, who are you know, challenged a little bit with temperature um, you know, can get immediate relief. And it's the first wave of an entire category of thermal products um, that you know, are supporting mental and emotional well-being, not just a physiological symptom. Uh, so that's one I love. It's not expensive. It's on the market today. Another product I love is uh, Apollo Neuro. Um, and what that is, is that's a haptic product and there's another one that's um you know the apollo neuro is a sing you know a single signal and there's a couple that are double signals but basically what happens is that you know um it is a it is a low grade pulse that is not predictable and what it does is when you put you know when you put it on uh, it drops your stress level almost immediately and the reason why, and a measurable stress in the body, and they're out of uh, they're out of the University of Pittsburgh. Um, and the reason why is because the oldest part of your brain, like the like the like the 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 soft animal, um, pays attention to the pulse. And so it's a low enough pulse that you know it's not distracting, and you can work and do other things. But it's a high enough that it basically just hijacks the uh, stress response in your body by having your, you know, your system starts to pay attention to something else. Um, and so that's, it's a really fast way. Um, there's a another product called TouchPoints. It's also a haptic product in, you know, in their studies within 30 seconds of putting it on, you know, the stress levels can drop 70% in the body and that's measurable, um, you know, in the studies that they've done. And so I know people who, whenever they give public speeches, which is the number one fear, one of the number one fears that people have, they put one in one pocket, one on the other, and turn it on. And so, and then you give your talk. Um, so that's freeing a lot of people, um, you know, to be able to show up in the world in the way that they want uh, with a very simple product. I think Apollo Neuro's price point is 249 and Touch Points, I think, is mm, $149. Um, and so there's, there's you know, lots of things like that. Uh, one of the things that I am really excited about that isn't productized yet, but it's coming, um, you know, is I'm really interested in, um, you know, consumables and food. I'm really interested in, there is a product that I love that's a hearing aid. I, I think the he, uh, hearing aid category is going to turn into just a wearable category. Um, there's a hearing aid uh, from a company called Sharky. Um, that um, it turns out that you can pick up heart rate variability in the ear with a really tight fit uh, so you can pick up bio signals and other things like that and so it's basically your your health tracker your hearing aid it also translates 21 languages um, and you know and it is also your personal assistant um, wow. and so this is a hearing aid company that um, is building a product that is so cool i want it and I have no hearing issues. <laughs> um, and so there's lots of really amazing things that, you know, people can use. Oh, the other thing that the hearing aid co- does is um, it, with permission, um, can let you know um, what, how much human interaction you're getting. Because it can tell the difference between TV and voice. And so if you have an elder um, that you're taking care of um, and, you know, they need a lot of support in maintaining their their health, um, you know, with permission, with their permission, with device permission, a bunch of other things, um, you could get a sense of how much social interaction they're getting um, while you are not there. Um, you know, and, you know, and so there's lots of implications with that. But, you know, if you have an elder... Uh, In your life, then you you who needs really needs support, then you can see why that might be useful for a family to, you know, help an elder stay at home.
0: Yeah, that's amazing stuff. I love that. I know that's in terms of the hearing aid that my uh, my uncle got one a few years ago that. You know his iPhone can control it, and he just loves that, like the ability to be able to you know optimize his his like physical bodies to a certain degree by using this tech, and like that kind of interaction to see like a direct connection between here's the tech I'm using, but here's how it improves my life. I mean, that kind of functionality, I think it's just so practical and so exciting for the future too. To see that you know if I get the right tool for the right issue in my life, it changes the way you live and the way you interact with everything. I mean, think it's, it's really powerful.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's like we've spent, you know, it's like we definitely don't need another champagne delivery app. And, and I think the ages of those are gone a little bit, but you know, what we really need is we need uh, technology that supports us in, you know, reducing loneliness, in increasing connection, in um, you know, unlocking creativity, in managing stress, in helping us discover Uh, what our purpose is, um, what we enjoy doing. Like a one company that I just love is a company called Skillprint, And basically what they're doing is they're doing a modern strength finder. Um, And what they do is they're, you know, they're sort of working out um, in games today, what games and game mechanics map to what jobs. So, you know, where this is for, you know, it's not for us necessarily, but it's like, think of all the young people in the world who are playing a variety of games and, you know, and most people, they only think of, um, they only think of, you know, Call of Duty when they think of games, but like a friend of mine runs a game that's uh, Jane Austen's world and the, you know, and it's a full MMO that's nothing but Jane Austen. And, um, you know, and weapons are gossip and people go to tea and dances and it's really (laughs) slow. It's a very slow moving game, but the people, they love it, right? Um, And so there's all, you know, young people of the world, just recently because of COVID, um, you know, young people, games have surpassed music as, um, you know, as the dominant cultural vehicle of youth today. Now it's games. And so, you know, what these people are working on is, uh, you know, a an API that works for you, where as you play games, wherever you play it, it begins to tell you, oh, you know, you would be really good at, you know, being a, um, you know, being a, a, a solar engineer. And here's three jobs that you might not have known about, um, you know. And so that is like, you know, technology that helps Young people discover what they might love, um, you know, that would give them purpose and meaning and passion in the work that they do. That is a very good use for technology, and these guys like they're like they're working on it now. Um, and and you know, so you know, we need technology to really serve us, to be human centric, to support us we need to be able to turn it off when we want privacy. We need to be able to own our data, Um, but we also need help. We also need help. You know, it's like, you know, the, there is a perception that there was a a golden age of how people treated each other. And, you know, and I don't agree that there was, I think that, um, you know, all you have to do is look at history and to see that there's a long history of humans not being awesome to each other, hmm. um, but you know that doesn't have to be the case. I'm really obsessed by a book called Kin Space that's about um, that's by a guy, uh, a family um, named where uh, one of the writers is Jun Yoon, um, and he talks about how you know you know technology has expanded things, but you know we, we don't have, um, you know, we don't have, you uh, know, we don't have the level of intimacy that we had, um, you know, before. And, and I think that's true. And I think with the level of intimacy, you know, we also don't have, uh, we never really had the skills, you know, it's like the ability to, you know, negotiate conflict. The ability to listen, the ability to communicate, the ability to understand where you are emotionally, the ability to feel your feelings. You know, one product that I really love is this product called Moxie. And um, I think it's the it's expensive for now, but I think it's a perfect example of, you know, where things could go. So it's a robot um, that's about, you know, it, it's about 24 inches high. And it teaches children social emotional skills. Um, and they're when they what they set out to do was to be a best friend for children and an ally for parents. And one of the things you m- might not know is that you know pre COVID ninety percent of K through twelve teachers in the U.S. wanted social emotional learning curriculum. Um, and most of the products for that were really terrible. And that's like how do we teach people to people in a healthy way uh, where, you know, they, they, you know, where they, they really um, can have the skills to know who they are, know what they want, and then also connect to other people and communicate that and listen. Um, It's like humanity one-on-one, but we never learned it in school as as a, you know, directly you learn it as a out, you know, as a, a side along, we expect it to get picked up from the culture. And so what these people did is, um, they have a, you know, a gold standard uh, program, but um, they they made a couple of really great choices. One, um, the, the robot is not the mediator or it's not the end goal. So what the robot does is it asks children questions like, who is your best friend? And the child says who their best friend is. And then it says, well, how does he feel or how does she feel? And then sends the child on a mission into the real world. So the robot is only the chapter headings, but the missions of, you know, how to learn, how to be, you know, how to use these skills they are out in the world with other children and with their parents. Um, So the, the point is not the tech. The tech is just the container. That's very important. The second thing that they do is um, on um, they use the way that they've done their security, um one if parents so the company never sees the child's data never hears the voice never gets the images none of that um and if and so they just push into it and then whatever they what they pull is what's called um uh it's basically they pull the math but not the data um and so and if parents lose the password then the robot gets wiped. Um, so it's like once the parents set the password, um, you know, the, the company has no, no ability to, uh, pull, um, images, voice, um, you know, anything personal about the child. Uh, but they are, they are able to pull the math. Uh, and that's a whole longer, you know, story about how algorithms work. Um, and then the, the, you know, the, and then the, the, The third thing that they did, which is fabulous, is that um, the child can only access um, the device for one hour every 24 hours. And so they can't binge, uh, which is like, that's like fabulous. It's like, how many times have you inadvertently watched Netflix for, you (laughs) know, (laughs) like I watched the whole Bridgerton thing. It was fabulous. Um, They can't binge. And, you know, and so think about, you know, like your audience is deeply into productivity, you know, for a long time, it's like the litmus test for, uh, you know, the success of a child in life is the marshmallow test, where, you know, if you, if a child is presented with one marshmallow, but told that they can have two if they wait, who waits, who doesn't? Um, And that's sort of like a, you know, a, a big test that many people know. So you can hear about the test, and this sort of brings us full circle about tracking and then actually doing something about it. Uh, but how do you learn? How do you learn how to wait in an on-demand world? Well, you develop a product which is only available every 24 hours.
0: Hmm. And
1: so if I'm a child, I have to wait, you know? And so my parents who are at work or who are doing other things, you know, it's like, and there's no negotiation about the wait. I must wait. Um, And that's how you teach, how do you learn how to wait. Well, you wait. (laughs) That's how you learn how to wait. Right. Um, And so that, that's like a really good example of like, you know, really solid design decisions and how do you think about it? Um, And so right now it's a robot. It's expensive. It's like $1,600. But you know, just like the cell phone, eventually um, you know, it went from $15,000 to a couple hundred dollars. Um, That will happen with these types of technologies. And that's a good example of how do we put the design principles in place that, you know, support our humanity instead of, um, you know, um, you know, instead of support will support our higher natures as opposed to, you know, just drive our fears, uh, which is, you know, I think what we see today in many cases with social media.
0: Very true. I feel I have a, I have a two year old daughter at home, and I feel as though that robot sounds fantastic for what she would need for so many things. But I, I feel like that's uh, you know, that's the the next level up is is this tech that really does solve real world problems. I think it's you've brought up so many amazing examples of that today, and I definitely want our listeners uh, to learn more from you and the work you're doing today. So, you know, where should they go? Where can they learn more?
1: Yeah. So our website is at transformativetech dot org. Um, And then we have a YouTube channel with tons of things on it and and I'll send you some links. Um, The, the other thing that I just want to say about the robot now that I know that you're a parent, uh, one of the other things that it does is um, because one of the goals for the product team was to be an ally to parents. And so it can let parents know if there are developmental challenges uh, with the child, because um, of, you know, speech and language. And so it's, so parents can, you know, can, um you know, basically can use the robot to have a, um you know, to have a, uh not quite a third party, but, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I remember being a kid and, you know, and, uh, you know, and there are definitely times this, where it's like, you don't listen to your parents because they're your parents. (laughs) You know, it's that power (laughs) dynamic thing. And so, you know, what the robot does is it gives parents a way to deeply monitor what's going on, to understand, you know, the like like really what's happening for their child. Um, And it does not replace dinner time. It doesn't replace hugs and kisses or whatever. It just gives parents another tool Um, to, you know, to really understand, uh, you know, uh, their child and another avenue to, you know, help them develop the skills that are actually going to be the essential skills. Um, Social emotional skills are where it's at for, you know, and the ability because social emotional skills are really tied to adaptability. And any young person who is not adaptable um, today uh, is going to have major, major issues.
0: That is very true. I feel like that's all that I do now, is I adapt constantly and change constantly. <laughs> that's what it's all about. So that's a great point. Uh, Nicole this has been wonderful. I think I, I've you've really caused me to kind of pause and think about you know tech in my life and the role it plays and and how to use it best. So I'm really, really glad you're on the show today. I hope our listeners can really dig into the work you're doing. So yeah, thanks again.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it.
0: And of course, that great action step this week. This one is very simple. Visit Nicole's website, transformativetech.org. You know, technology is here to stay, and it's integrating with our lives in more ways than we can imagine. And so the best thing for you to do is to learn more about technology, find out what's happening, and how you can utilize it to the best of your abilities. For a complete list of the fun gadgets that Nicole mentioned this week, go to jeffsanders.com 377 for all the links discussed this week. That's all I've got for you here on the show. Until next time, you have the power to change your life, and the fun begins bright and early. Subscribe to the Greg McKeown podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.